0: You're listening to the Ipsos Mori Politics and Society podcast with your host Kieran Pedley. So on this week's episode we're going to do something a little bit different to what we've done before. Normally we've had some sort of external guest, um, a very specific poll that we're interested in or we've just released, whereas on this week's show we're going to be introducing some um, well I was going to say new members but actually very much not new members of our politics team but different members of our politics team to me and we're going to be taking stock really and looking at some of the latest data that we've put out there, what we've found interesting and then most importantly what we think it means. And I'm delighted to be joined by my esteemed colleagues uh, Cameron Garrett and Holly Day. Cameron and Holly, welcome to the Politics and Society podcast. start with you. Um, so I just want, you've been looking at some of our more, most recent data, what what stood out for you?
1: Okay yeah, so thanks for having us on first of all Kieran and I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the current government, how they're faring in the polls at the minute, uh, what we think might be influencing that and how that compares to year, years gone by as well. So. First of all, I think it's really important to look at the context. So we're two years into the Johnson government. We've been in the midst of a global pandemic now for over a year with all of the issues and changes that that brings with it. And we've got an opposition leader who's a year in after Labour lost quite convincingly at the last election as well, which Cameron will tell you a little bit more about later. And with all that in mind, the government are, are ahead in the polls. And in fact, they were increasing their lead over the past couple of months. And that's really interesting because you don't see that often and usually a couple of years into the tenure of a government, their popularity starts to wane for all sorts of reasons. So in that sense, at the minute, they're bucking the trend. At one point, actually, uh, net satisfaction with the government was actually in the positive, which, given they started from such a low baseline, is really impressive um, and it's climbing back up to that point again. Comparing that with previous governments, Tony Blair consistently managed positive ratings for the first few years and Thatcher managed it a couple of times as well. But it's a pretty rare occurrence, so we shouldn't underestimate the significance of that, given it rarely happens. And it's interesting then to try and think about what might be driving this. And there's been a fair amount of talk recently about the so-called vaccine bounce or vaccine boost. And we can see that obviously take up for the vaccine, especially amongst the priority groups so far, has been really, really high. And there's been quite strong data suggesting that not only is confidence in the vaccine itself growing, but confidence in the government to deliver the programme successfully is also growing. And if we look at the UK compared to other countries on the vaccination rollout, we did some polling recently on this with the EU-UK forum and two-thirds of Britons believe that the UK has handled the vaccination programme better than governments of other EU countries, so there's lots of data out there now about countries such as France and Germany, where it looks like the vaccination rollout's been a little slower than here, and there's some discontent amongst their publics about how the governments are handling the pandemic, so where we're experiencing a vaccine boost and feeling positively about the government at the moment, in countries where that that hasn't been the case, I think we'll see those leaders suffering in the.
0: There's really interesting stuff. I mean, we were. I mean, Cameron, you'll know this from sort of uh, putting out the political monitor, um, the Ipsos Mori political monitor back in sort of late 2020. We we were looking at five point Labour leads at one point, weren't we? Um, only for one one round, it should be said. So it's been quite a turnaround um, in the last sort of sort of few months for the government, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure, it's been a turnaround. Um, although. I think you do have, as Holly alluded to, we do have to put into context that they did win a thumping majority in 2019. So you would expect them to carry on leading for a while longer. I think when you think about like Tony Blair, when he won his majority in 1997, it took the Conservatives a whole electoral cycle to get a lead. Um, After 2001, I think they got their first party lead. So the fact that Keir Starmer has managed to achieve that and the Labour Party have managed to achieve that, that is interesting in itself but um yeah it's also interesting that they have managed to come back it's and different kind of change the narrative
0: it's interesting though isn't it because like what it's almost not that you can necessarily compare a particular election election cycle to another one but i suppose part of it is it's what, what year would we be comparable to at the moment so like you, you referencing Tony Blair. Well, that's obviously he's taking, you know, Labour took over from the Conservatives after 18 years of power there, whereas we're, we're, we're what are we now, sort of 11 years into Conservative government. Um, but I suppose it's it's a, it's, a reasonably newish government in the sense of it's Boris Johnson's now rather than Theresa May's or Cameron's. Well, what, what else do we think, like, is there anything else that we think this could be down to then, Holly? So the, the, the Conservative lead. I mean, the, obviously the vaccine bounce seems, if you want to call it that, or, or, or the sort of un, the unlocking... Uh, seems to be really important. Is there anything else that we think is important?
1: I mean, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of the vaccine rollout, first of all, because... In our latest political monitor, 88% of of people said that they thought the government had done a good job on vaccinations. And this wasn't only being driven by conservative supporters, as you would naturally expect, but 85% of Labour voters agreed as well, which I think is really significant given the types of people that we saw voting for for Boris Johnson in in the last election when he won his majority. Um, We've also done some studies on economic optimism that we've been tracking since the 70s. And I think this year so far feels a little bit different than last year i don't know if you guys agree but people seem to be feeling a bit more optimistic um and we're actually officially the most optimistic we've been on the economy for over five years which was surprising to me um inclusive of the you know largest month-on-month improvement since we started polling from from february to march so given that the conservative party have kind of historically been seen as the the party to trust on the economy um, An economic com- competence is always um, a key issue for voters. I think if if this trend continues and the economic optimism continues, it certainly puts the Conservatives in good standing for, for years to come, although obviously a long way to go until the next election.
0: The, the, the ingredients are there, I think, for, for the Conservatives to sustain a, a, a... Well, a pretty strong political position. Let's put it in that. what well, let's put it in those vague terms, so I don't get a sort of call, uh, called out on it. But I mean, if you look at the Conservatives' current political position, I mean, what have we got? You've got Boris Johnson, whose um, satisfaction ratings in our political monitor are actually you know, pretty decent uh, by by sort of historic standards. So, on face value, they might not seem it. So, forty four percent satisfied of Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, fifty one percent dissatisfied, which is a negative seven rating. Um, but without having the numbers in front of me, I think the average for the Prime Minister is around sort of minus 11 or something. Uh, if you if go back to Callaghan, um, it, it's certainly, I mean, so Johnson's figures of, of being slightly negative aren't particularly uh, bad by historic comparisons. They're pretty standard, if anything. So that's not a terrible place for him to be in. You've got a very popular Chancellor. I um, mean, you sort of alluded to that there, Holly, with the, um, with the uh, sort of increase in economic optimism it's hard to disentangle that from um you know the, the vaccination and unlock versus the budget but at the same time all the sort of indicators are looking in, in in a positive direction there um and then you've got a sort of a clear united reasonably united shall we say voting coalition that 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 votes conservative you know dominated but not exclusively uh by Leave voters um and you know the, the government uh, the conservative sorry seems to have a pretty sort of uh obvious strategy of trying to sort of lean in, to use that corporate phrase, to those voters and keep them on side with various things around sort of flags and patriotism and so on. So like the ingredients are there for the Conservatives uh, to sustain it, I think. I mean, Cameron, what would you make of um, of some of that? And, and I mean, you've been looking at Keir Starmer's uh, position, haven't you? Because I, I suppose all I've said there about why the Conservatives are strong is obviously relevant for the opposition. But then nothing's in a vacuum, is it? So, like, what do we know about Starmer's ratings and Labour's position at the moment? Yep,
2: yeah, so I've got the joy of taking us through how Keir Starmer and the Labour Party are doing at the moment. Um, so, the headline from our latest polling is that he received his first negative satisfaction from Ipsos Murray almost a year into the job, which essentially means more people are now dissatisfied with him than satisfied. So when you take those two figures away from each other, he's now on minus nine, which puts him slightly behind Boris Johnson for the first time. Um, His ratings have fallen from a high point last summer when he had a net satisfaction of plus 31, which at the time made him the most popular leader of the opposition since Tony Blair. But um, what's changed since last summer? I guess one reason is his ratings have fallen. One reason his ratings have fallen is declining support amongst those who would say they would actually vote Labour if there was an election tomorrow. Around a year ago, he had a um, satisfaction rating of plus 66 amongst party supporters, but it's now on plus on, on plus 19. Um, that's a drop of 47 points. Meanwhile, among Conservative voters, Boris Johnson enjoys a rating of plus 70. Now, this isn't really new. Labour voters tend to be more critical of their leaders than conservative voters. At the same point into his leadership, Jeremy Corbyn had a rating of minus eight among Labour Party voters. No negative rating is good for an opposition leader, but it's not particularly surprising. Bar one, every opposition leader we've polled since the late 1970s has at some point received a negative rating and actually continue to do so for most of their time as leader. It's that bar one that will concern Starmer. From the point Tony Blair became Labour leader until he was elected Prime Minister, his satisfaction ratings never slipped below zero. Um, Ironically, he'll perhaps be finding solace from David Cameron, who had a period in negatives, dropping down to minus 21, but was still able to come back in time for 2010 and become PM. I think the concern for Team Starmer is, would that be good enough, considering the electoral mountain they have to climb?
1: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, like Cameron said, not having... The absence of a negative rating is kind of a good thing, but compared to a lot of the statistics that I gave you a minute ago about how the government's performing, it is a big mountain to climb. And I think, especially in the midst of a pandemic, we've seen a bit of a, an almost rally round the, the flag effect. So it's been a bit tricky for him to kind of almost um, impose himself and his policies and the direction of in which the Labour Party wants to go, um, especially with the vaccination programme going so well at the minute. The sort of thing that you like no one could be critical of so it's tricky to see where he kind of um can get his message across um i think the local elections coming up are going to be really interesting that might just be us saying it because of <laughs> the sort of things that we're interested in but we've got kind of a, a bumper stack of local elections referendum mayoral elections and a by-election as well which i personally am really really excited about um first ones in a while and the way that the the national parties are going about this at the moment um it, it seems to be almost a bit of a referendum on how the national parties are compared to local issues um so it'd be interesting to see if there's any cut through from from labor in those um given it was so long ago since they were last kind of up for election and everything that's happened in between including brexit which we've not mentioned yet somehow um a whole global pandemic new leaders on both sides so i think that's going to be a really interesting point to be able to see how he's how he's doing almost although not indicative um, of the national party as a whole maybe
0: i mean the, na- the narrative after those elections is going to be fascinating because as you say you rightly say holly there's so many of them it's almost like what's gonna it, it, what if anything is going to dominate the agenda after that i mean i've long assumed scotland um obviously we don't know what the result's going to be there i mean there's, there's, there's it seems it seems at the moment debatable whether the SNP will get a majority um which would obviously be they would argue as a mandate for another referendum on independence um we know that the prime minister will is likely to push back on that but you know leaving that to one side you've you sort of assumed for a long time that that's going to be the prevailing narrative um, but then, of course, with all these other elections and particularly Hartlepool, um, you know, they'll, it, it will be complicated, perhaps. Uh, I think certainly Hartlepool feels like it's going to be significant because it's something that the media can easily fixate on. Um, it's much harder to decipher whether gains in numbers of councillors or f- things like that are, are important or not, particularly given that turnout for local elections is much lower than general's like i think that there's something there's a sort of symbolism of, uh, uh, of of a place like hartlepool going conservative if it does um whereas obviously if labor retain that seat then that will be a sort of high profile win of sorts that starmer can point to and say look you know i am able to win in these areas even if it is actually a seat that labor is looking um, looking to hold um I mean, Cameron, what do you make of the local elections? I mean, it uh, it seems like it's, um, as Holly says, it's like the first major test for a while of the different parties, but then there's only so much we can learn from them, isn't there?
2: Yep, definitely. Um, There is only so much we can learn from local elections, especially by elections where turnout will be different, especially during a COVID election. Um, We're to have to see what impact that has. Um, But I think it comes back to we need some nuance. It's perhaps um, too soon to write Keir Starmer's political obituary on the back of some bad polls, um, which aren't necessarily that bad. Um, so it's taken Keir Starmer 11 months of polling to receive his first negative rating from us, which, besides Blair, is longer than any other leader of the opposition since Foot. Looking at recent history, David Cameron dropped below zero within six months, Miliband four months, and Corbyn was in red from the start um so yeah ben walker of britain elects and the new statesman wrote a very good piece um using some of our data where he looked at those historical comparisons that i'd recommend reading so looking at their figures a year into the job keir starmer on minus nine compares quite favorably to other leader of the oppositions at the same point um jeremy corbyn on minus 33 milliband minus 16 better than both of them slightly behind David Cameron at the same stage. However, again, worth looking at Tony Blair, the last person to lead Labour Party out of opposition, who was on plus 27 at this point. Um, So I do think we need some nuance. Uh, We've given a boring pollsters answer. We probably need to wait for the trend and more data, and um, the local elections will be a really interesting data point. Um, Keir Starmer has presented himself as an election winner that's why you back here starmer in the labour party we're going to get labour into power and it will be a good judgment of whether that's possible but people will jump on if he does lose people will jump on that and say look he can't win elections but even that is perhaps too soon and yeah you need the context of what that holly's provided us
0: I mean, our current polling has the, the Tories, I at seven points ahead of, of Labour. I mean, all the, all the polling is available. I suppose if you went into a general election, I'm not, no one's suggesting that we are, but if you went into a general election with the Tories seven points ahead, whilst they would obviously be favourites to win that election, um, it wouldn't exactly be a slam dunk, would it? I mean, you don't quite, you know, there, there would be some nerves about how's the campaign going to go, or the, are the polls off by two or three points one way or another? I mean, to be fair, they could be off in a way that you know, helps the Conservatives, but... You could also see a sort of maybe if, if it's a seven point gap, but really the, the, it's, it's four or five and then the campaign doesn't go well. Then suddenly it becomes uh, you're back in sort of 2017 territory potentially. But, you know, yes, you're quite right, Cameron. We need more data. We would say that, wouldn't we? Uh, so do keep an eye out for our latest polling as it comes out. Um, and others, of course, we will be generous there. Um, to the last sort of five minutes or so, I want to talk about some polling we've had on Times Radio this week for those that missed it. Um, where we were looking at uh, whether or not people thought past the prime ministers uh, have done a good job or a bad job in office. So we, we from Churchill onwards, essentially, um, we sort of positioned it as there have been, I think, 15 prime ministers since the Second World War. And then we said, based on what you know, would you say that each of the following did a good job, bad job as prime minister or neither? So you could say good job, bad job, neither, or don't know, don't know who they are. Um, it should be said off the bat that, of course, when people... Uh, rank churchill they're not going to be ranking his term in the 50s um they're going to be looking at him as the wartime leader that's just inevitable um but it was just i mean to be honest with, with polling like this you kind of have to set a cut off at one point and it typically i mean you could list every prime minister that's ever been but i mean, I mean for reasons we'll come to that probably wouldn't be very sensible um <clears throat> whereas uh you know most of the time we do this sort of thing you go from thatcher onwards but i wanted to see uh, what the what people knew about the the post-war prime ministers, and there's a couple of things that stood out to me. Before I get uh, the, you, you, the views of you you, you guys or, or your questions about it, um, the first is that actually when you go from Churchill onwards, other than uh, other than Churchill, the prime ministers before Thatcher don't really elicit much of a an opinion. Um, so a majority of Brits are either neutral or don't have an opinion about Clement Attlee, Eden, Macmillan, Douglas Hume wilson to a lesser extent um heath callaghan so it says something i think about prime minister's legacies we always talk about this as politicos or what's the legacy of a certain prime minister going to be and actually for most of them at least in the public opinion realm they don't really get they don't really have one much because most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about this or thinking about politics um that's not to say that they don't have a legacy at all or they aren't important it's just that some and you might argue you might argue that the general public don't Their opinions of different prime ministers aren't that important historically. But it is notable, actually, as time goes by, these most prime ministers fade into the distance in terms of, uh, or into the past, in terms of public uh, perceptions. The exception of that, though, is Churchill, as you might expect. So 63% thought Winston Churchill did a good job as prime minister. He was number one, number one with Remainers and Leavers. Thatcher was number two, 44% thought she did a good job. And then followed by Blair with 36% thinking he did a good job. And Wilson, 30% thought he did a good job. And it goes goes down from there. And then in terms of bad job, there's definitely a, a recency bias of, of, of sorts here. Uh, so Theresa May and David Cameron lead the way, 45% and 44% respectively. I think they did a bad job. Uh, followed by Brown on 37% and Blair on 36 and It's almost, not quite, but it's almost a sort of a, a, a re- literally chronological order going back. So in terms of negative opinions people tend to sort of remember what's just happened Um, in terms of more positive opinions and that that legacy point I made um, you know it's quite difficult for prime ministers to linger in the memory but um, it is a bit different there where you know Churchill, Thatcher and Blair seem to be the ones that uh, stand out as um, the most uh, effective prime ministers so I don't know uh, Cameron and Holly if you've seen this data but I mean uh, having said what I've said, I mean, is there anything there that surprises you, uh, Holly?
1: I think it's a fascinating set of data, really, because when you've studied politics and you work in politics and you, you spend a lot of time on Twitter reading about politics, when you then ask kind of the general population these sorts of questions, it can often be very different to what you think it's going to be. So I find it intriguing. Um I personally am quite a keen quizzer, and these are the sorts of questions that come up come up often, kind of towards the top end of who wants to be a millionaire. All the quizzes are available, um, so it's the sort of thing I've kind of memorised from having two for exams. Um, but like you said, really interesting that that the further back in time you go, obviously a lot of people have kind of less strong an opinion with Churchill being being the outlier, um, and i wonder whether people are kind of making their judgment based in a positive or a negative way so often kind of negative things that people have done are most likely to stick in your mind and is that the way that people were were ranking um these these prime ministers as they went obviously with the most recent people at the top of mind um the neither good nor bad or don't know figures are also really interesting as well because like you said a lot of people might not have um, might not be able to recall these people, might not have even heard of these people. So I think we've got to um, include those those figures in in the discussion as well, because in some cases, particularly post war, Clement Attlee, Anthony Eden, Harold Macmillan, Alec Douglas Hume, um, a lot of people don't remember them. So so their their opinions wouldn't be that strong. Yeah.
2: I can only echo what Holly says. Someone with a tortoise named after Clement Attlee, I was shocked to find that only a third of the public had an opinion on him. Um,
1: that one but... did shock me. That one did. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um but kind of grounded myself a bit. The fact that even twenty-five percent of the public have an opinion on Alex Douglas home is surprising. Like he was Prime Minister for just a year or two, I think. Um, so yeah, that is surprising. I wondered to what extent the Crown has played a part here in educating some of the public on some of these prime ministers, um, as they have done, the, um, have, as they have been going through chronologically. But um, Kieran, was there anything that really stood out to you, or you were surprised about from? This return I
0: think like the, the the scale of recency bias on the bad job was the first thing because I'm sort of used to seeing polls like this not necessarily going back pre Thatcher but but going back to Thatcher that's the the ones that you typically see where Blair and Brown are, are typically the people that are top of the bad list if you like um but now clearly what's going on here is that people are remembering why they didn't like the people that didn't like may and um and Cameron are remembering that more recently. Um, we're not here to say that, okay, 10, 15 years from now, they'll still be top of the bad list. Uh, Probably not. But then there is is something in that, I think, when you're trying to look at legacies of prime ministers as time goes by. I'm particularly interested in Tony Blair's ratings. Um, He had 36% think he did a good job and 36% think he did a bad job. The rest sort of neutral or don't know that's quite different to a lot of numbers you tend to get on Tony Blair when you ask people how favourable they are towards him or whether they like him. I mean, he, he tends to produce something of a visceral dislike. Um, and that's often because, frankly, conservative-minded people don't like him because, well, I mean, because he's a Labour prime minister and, and he, he won a lot and he's also very strongly pro-Europe. So obviously is that that's relevant to the modern conversation. So he has a you know it's not surprising he'd have a negative uh, perception among Leave voters and conservatives, but then also for reasons of the Iraq War and other things, let's let's say his his legacy is mixed at best with the left if you want to call it that. Now, when I'm talking about the left here, I don't necessarily mean um, Labour Party members or or people on Twitter. I mean just generally people that would think of themselves as uh, centre-left or left who are. Perhaps a bit more forgiving, let's say. So maybe your Labour voter over your Labour member. Let's think. Let's think of it more broadly like that. So yeah. So given what we know, that he typically produces quite unfavourable figures, to see him almost net well, him net neutral on whether people thought he did a good or bad job uh, does surprise me somewhat. And therefore, I kind of wonder whether. I mean, it's a bit much to say history will be kind to him because I think that's, that's it's hard to say. But I do wonder whether like. In ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, I'm gonna have plenty of time to wait to find out um, whether he'll be looked because people sort of remember him as a prime minister that was quite successful for ten years, in that he won elections and things. Whether over time he has slightly more positive rate re- ratings than he's had in the aftermath of uh, of Iraq and things. And that's not me posing a judgment on whether that's right or wrong. It's just it's just striking to me that these numbers aren't that bad for him, uh, really. Um, and so, and but then at the same time, you'll probably see a similar thing with May and Cameron where like right now they're, they're the top of the bad list. Um, but then as, as as Johnson becomes a former prime minister and as others become former prime ministers, maybe that that person will be uh, on top of the bad list as well. And then I think just the final thing I'd say is like Churchill and, and Thatcher, not surprising, but I think there is something it's worth internalizing i think that like those are the prime ministers that stand out as the top two um churchill for obvious reasons i think if we're talking about culture wars and statues and things like that i'm again i'm not here to pass judgment one way or another on churchill that's for other people to have their opinions but i do think when you're talking about churchill in the public realm you need to it's worth remembering just how popular he is i think he is someone that would likely win polls of who the greatest britain is of all time regardless prime minister so he certainly been in that conversation so that doesn't necessarily surprise me i mean thatcher clearly lingers as someone with a huge political legacy over british politics i mean that's, it, there is a reason i think that when we do these polls we almost think about oh do we start with thatcher and go forward or do we start with churchill and go forward like there's, there's, there's clearly i mean in, in making that decision in your head uh it's telling you something, isn't it? It's telling you that there's a definite point to why would you start with Thatcher? Well, because actually, generationally, that's the one that stands out, and that the data backs that up. That's the one that people have an opinion on. Whereas you go before her, um, Callaghan, Wilson, Heath, and others, and back, um, there's, there's less of a sort of uh, there's less of a, a, a reaction uh, from people. Um, yeah. So, I guess final. Final comments from both of you, then, on, on I guess on anything we've 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 talked about today. Really, what are you, what what, what do you think is most interesting? What we've talked about today, and, and what are you looking out for in the coming months in terms of data? If that's not putting you on the spot too much, uh,
2: Cameron, I'll go with you first. Um, I'm waiting on that trend data, kit, Kieran. <laughs> um, <laughs> every month, I'm an addict at looking when interim tabs come in, and um, yeah going and looking at those historical comparisons so i think it is really important the trends and they do give you a good instinct for where stuff is heading and lets you compare back to previous um i'll be keeping a close eye on Starmer's trend and also the government's trend if they carry on into positives as holly said that is a really big deal um i think We've been polling for 40-odd years and the government have had positive ratings about 40-odd times, so it is really rare and it is a big deal when they get them, and that is the context that Starmer is up against. Holly, what do you think?
1: I think I'm going to be quite boring and emphasise the fact that context matters, which I think I said three or four times (laughs) um, initially, because we do have to kind of take all these things with a pinch of salt and remember what's happening around us, um, how long these things might last for until the next thing comes around and how far we are actually away from the next general election. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long the vaccine bounce boost um, lasts. Um, And whether the government can kind of keep up the ratings that they've got once um, the majority of the population who want to be have have been vaccinated and we're into the the recovery stages where I think it'll be interesting to see if Labour can kind of come into their own and get a bit of a foothold on some of the issues that they've notoriously um, been able to get to get strong messages across on. Um, And then. I already mentioned it, but just looking forward to the local elections. I'm I'm a big fan of an election. We've not had any for a while. There's a by-election thrown in. There's mayoral elections. Someone, a podcast I was listening to yesterday said it's like the World Cup final, the Super Bowl, and Wimbledon men's final all thrown into one. So if you're that way inclined, uh, 6th of May is is a big date coming up, given we've we've not got that much going on at the moment to be honest
0: yeah i mean br- briefly I'll, I'll i'll finish by saying i think that the recovery point you allude to holly is really important um because it, what one of the key trends that i've noticed from our data which uh i haven't got in front of me but i can paraphrase is that if you look at sort of attitudes to public spending and austerity and things like that if you want to use the, the term austerity it's a little bit loaded obviously um that there, that there is much less appetite for spending cuts uh, much more appetite for, for increases in spending now than there was in the aftermath of the financial crisis. So in public opinion terms, at least at the moment, um, it's a very different context, which to be fair, I think Sunak and Johnson seem to recognise with how their, their their economic policy that they're pursuing. But they will come under their own pressure, they'll be, there'll be their own internal divides within the Conservative Party, right, about kind of um, what is the best way to, uh, to to come out of the to, to, to recover basically, and, and how do how do you approach that from a government spending and and support perspective on things like furloughs and and support for different industries and so on, and I think that's going to be fascinating because um of, I mean I think the comparison might not be perfect. We were talking about Churchill earlier. I mean you got to remember about Churchill. He you know he he wins the second world war. I mean, he didn't win it himself personally, but he, he, he's, he's a successful wartime leader. Um, obviously highly revered, but then he gets turfed out like shortly after. Um, and whilst the comparison isn't perfect, you do wonder whether like there's, a, there's a, there's a vaccine bounce at the moment. Um, Johnson's historically got pretty good ratings. Sunak's popular as well. Um, but as Holly says, there is a long time to the next election, notwithstanding labor's mountain to climb. um, And so it's not impossible that for whatever reason, depending on how it's handled, caveat, 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 that like uh, the nature of the recovery changes the political weather. But we obviously can't know that. Um, We'll have to wait and see. But that's all we've got time for this week's episode. uh, Ipsos Mori Politics and Society podcast. Uh, Please do like and subscribe wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. And a big thanks to uh, Cameron and Holly for joining me today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, And uh, stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks.